Previously on Tales for Wales. Hey, look at this. Aren't we a funny hillside country? You know the big, fat whale of a man film? Hey, I'm Kermit the Frog, and you join me at the scene of Stephen Beauty's house. That's it. They just battered the entire time. Talking and I can really, really relate to that. I preferred you when you were subdued. <laughs> Bad form! Stop having a go at him, alright? So just because he's a big lad. Just because he's a big boy. Why doesn't Daddy cry like just... that for me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why doesn't Daddy love me? <laughs> Class, mate. Oh. That sounds... I can't believe that's so up my street. I've never heard of it, but... You brought us my attention. Uh, no, what's the thing we say all the time? You have my curiosity. Like, it's no, my attention. attention. Yeah. <laughs> right. So the next one I've got. So this is just. This is not so much a. It's kind of like an endorsement of a series, I guess. The series as a whole is brilliant, but it's it's mainly one scene I'm sort of going to talk about. So this is um, the uh, Christmas Carol, 2019 rendition. Uh, and I'm assuming everyone knows the Charles Dickens story, A Christmas Carol. It's been adapted a million times over the years. It's one of my favourite versions of the story, alongside the Muppets Christmas Carol, which is film. fucking immense. Oh, um, but my partner is obsessed. With, I, I I got her into that, and I'd be singing, do 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 What's the call? She called a choir. And he does that little dancer. What's his name? Michael Caine does that little, he's got the funniest dance, because he wobbles back and forth. Oh, it's brilliant. Oh, mate. I, I hadn't really watched it until Amy watches it. She's, she's watched, watched it every year since she was a yeah. kid, right? And then when we got together, she said, oh, we have to watch this. It's like Christmas tradition or whatever. Man, I am in. I'm so in with it. It's, it's amazing. It. Fucking Kane is amazing in it. They're all fucking great in it. K- Kane plays it so sincerely is what I love. He's uh, he's like talking to a fucking puppet. <laughs> and he's uh, he's absolutely um, playing it dead straight. <laughs> you know the ghost of Christmas? You know the guy who goes... Oh, 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 the big fun ghost. Oh, come uh, in, lad, and know me better. <laughs> this is just a reference yeah. for us, but doesn't he look like Craig Barlow? <laughs> <laughs> Craig Barlow, if he had a massive beard, yeah. <laughs> we think he looks like a fun When him uh, and Michael Caine do that dance. Oh, yeah, it is phenomenal. When That's when he's a good guy again, isn't it? That's when he's yeah, been a nice yeah. boy. But like me and Amy always go, we're Marley and Marley. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> that's yeah. that shit. Uh, it's a mean of a street corner choir. It's going home and getting warm by the fire. Wherever yeah. you find love, it feels like Christmas. Christmas. It's <laughs> such a good song. It, oh, it, drop in that in here. Oh, okay. yeah. Drop it in. Drop yeah. it in. Sorry. Oh, what? It's in the giving of a gift to another. Mittens that were made by your mother. It's all the ways that we show love that feel like Christmas. A part of childhood will always remember. It is the summer of the soul in December. Yes, when you do your best for love, it feels like Christmas. They, I mean, that is, you know, I'm thinking maybe Muppets is better than this. But anyway, this is still a good one. But anyway, this is a, a lovely version of it. Uh, it's not lovely, it's horrible, but it's, it's good. Um, it stars Guy Pearce as Scrooge, uh, Stephen Graham as Jacob Marley, Andy Serkis as the Ghost of Christmas Past. It's absolutely loaded with great good. actors, um, and there's a bunch of other people in it. You know, like the people you see when you're like, I know, I know them. I I've know seen him. them in yeah. things before, yeah. but you don't quite know their names. It's, you've got tons of those people in it. It's brilliant. The reason why I like it is um, it's very gothic horror compared to the other versions like they they lean into the horror especially in like i think it's i think it's three episodes long it might be four um, I, I can't really remember now but um, it's it's three or four episodes and the first one is very gothic horror and like it actually gets scary at points like um when scrooge is in his house and like uh marley the ghost of marley is kind of like stalking him and stuff like that but it plays it like very horror it's it's very very good uh, Guy Pearce is phenomenal. As he is amazing. It's, he's he, really I, good. I just I can't uh, praise his performance in this mm-hmm. in this series enough. He is absolutely phenomenal. He, he makes you hate him. He makes you fucking pity him. Mm-hmm. He did, it's it's absolutely brilliant. And the uh, this the way they've done it, the adaptation, it takes a lot of liberties with the original story. 
but in my opinion, they uh, they it just adds to it. It really does yeah. add to it. It just adds to characterization and it, it makes you sort of empathise and uh, and be more engrossed in the characters. I thought it was brilliant. But the reason I bring it up in this uh, in this context is there is a bit of a Welsh portrayal, a bit of a Welsh element to it. Uh, without spoiling too much, um, it's not massively prevalent in this series, but in this version, um, they add the fact that, you know, because Scrooge is meant to be a bastard, and Marley was a bit of a bastard as well. Before you had a bastard. You had a bastard. And in this, Scrooge and Marley, uh, you know, before uh, the time where the film is taking place, they had a, uh, they owned a mine in Wales, uh, and they decide to cut costs on the timber used to prop up the mine shaft. That causes a collapse, kills a lot of the men in one town on Christmas Day, years and years ago. So the ghost of Christmas present at this point in the story then shows him. He takes him to uh, you know to try and uh, sort of rip his guilt out, kind of thing. Takes him to a Welsh chapel that's singing in memoriam to the people who died in the collapse. And they're singing this absolutely beautiful rendition of Siogan. Uh, it's a Welsh lullaby, essentially. Um, and the choir is singing it. And it's... it's. Uh, I know it sounds fucking... Uh, no, you, a bit you've, you've shared it with me. It's, um, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking, isn't it? It's, it, it yeah. it's really pulls on the heartstrings. But it's just so beautiful. But it's, it's that beautiful it's way it's beautiful. also really sad. Yeah, it was cathartic. Yeah, it's, oh, no, pathos, is that the word? Yeah, I think so. In like um you almost feel like what these these uh characters, they're fucking fictional characters, are meant to feel like this sadness about a loss of like almost, you know, more than half of their like men in the town yeah. because they all died in this bloody uh mine collapse. But they sing it and it's it's a beautiful song anyway, Siogan. Um and yeah, it's um it's you could drop it's a link to so the, well. Uh, Oh yeah, I'll do that as well, the, the clip. self-pity you see men and women and children united because it's, it's really good uh it works really well thematically with the story as well but what i really liked is just this illusion that they did to like exploitation of welsh miners how they're mourning in welsh as well you know like they could have easily just put like an english hymn in there or something like that but the fact that they're using a welsh language song and stuff like that and it's done so poignantly i, I fucking loved that and i thought do that again before I went out <laughs> No, it's fine. It's, you That's beautiful. That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So pointy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's really good. I, it, it's something that I thought when I watched it, I thought, fucking hell, they've actually given a bit of Welsh yeah, representation well, and they really didn't need to. Yeah, all of that sounds amazing, man. You showed me the clip, but you had my curiosity, not even my attention. I'm going to watch that. <laughs> that, that, that sounds really good. Like so that. good, man. The only critique I'd have is that um, it's fucking hard to watch it anywhere. That the actual series, because I don't think I think unless you buy it on DVD or something, you can't fucking watch it, which is really frustrating because it it almost makes someone want to uh, sail the high seas. Oh you know. yeah, yeah. Well, sorry, please just not say it again. Um, so oh, God, they viewed my... me, have they? <laughs> yeah, that was quick. <laughs> um, <laughs> my one then. So my last film recommendation. It's not even a recommendation, really, because I'm sure most people have seen this. But I couldn't do a thing about whales on film and not mention Zulu. Um, That's why I didn't put Zulu as one of my. I knew 100% you'd have it as yours. It's the film I watched. When I was about, like, six, five, six, seven, so I was just outside of uh, Maythrin, like, just outside of the early years of, what's it called, nursery. And I I started, like, year one, year two. I used to watch Zulu weekly. The video, I burnt the video how much I used to watch it. I was a fucking obsessive around it. Mm. And it was just such a cool thing. Uh, because of all, like, just, I hadn't, because, you know, I watched, like, cartoons, and then you watch this fucking massive battle. And I and I also, like, it's hard to comprehend what actors are. 
And I just thought this is just the most bizarre thing. And also being a child, I, I don't know, maybe not the most cool thing, but just it was just such an epic film to watch. And I still watch it way too young. Absolutely. It was like like before Lord of the Rings, Helm's Deep came yeah, out. Yeah. That's yeah. like what it is, you know, it's the, so, your first iteration to a siege film. And so that's I, what, I, I absolutely credit that to you, fucking, well, you love siege films. I, I love siege films. But um, so as a background, there's a film that came out in 1964. But it holds up so well. Like the practical effects are amazing. The acting from the main cast and the extras is just insane. And mostly because the extras aren't actually actors. They're members of Zulu tribes, so they're, they're not mm. acting at all. Um, and there's a story about how 150 British soldiers, 30 of whom were sick and wounded in this field hospital, successfully held off a force, a force of 4,000 Zulu warriors. Mm. Uh, the story follows the day after a morning battle where the British got obliterated by the Zulus. Um, and there's a huge British army with cavalry and cannons, and you know they 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 fought with everything they had, and they lost the Zulus. And then you cut to here, where it's a hospital and a church, and some soldiers who didn't quite make the cut to go to the actual war. And this is amazing, bombastic against all odds film, and beautifully shot with the best diegetic and non-diegetic score. Um, and most of the soldiers in the film are portrayed as being Welsh from the South Wales Borderers, the Twenty Fourth Regiment of Foot. And this is like our brave heart. It's rousing, yeah. and and it's like it makes you feel like it's, it's shit. It's us against the masses, um, but then you do realize as well. In reality, the Zulus are the good guys, and we shouldn't have been there in the first place. <laughs> I was gonna say it's a it's a it's a real damning thing of like colonization <laughs> yeah. and all that sort of thing. But yeah. in terms of you, if you're just looking about like uh, a Welsh force fighting off like a much bigger, yeah. Uh, well, that's the thing. I think what it it's quite cool. I think what it captures mentally is that siege mentality that we might sometimes feed in Wales. It's like mm. we're a small nation, but we're still here. Um, you know, and, and obviously in reality, we shouldn't have been in their country. We shouldn't have been shooting people in their own country. No, of course um, not. But this film is set up like we're just a bunch of lovely Welsh lads in the field tending to cattle and having a song. Um, yeah, and I'm there's just, this just ten into the the <laughs> the patience, my lord. There, there is a scene where where. where they have cattle on this like uh, field hospital, and after one battle, uh, the the farmer like Owen goes uh, Owen goes to go check on the cattle, and the uh, the calf has been shot, and he goes, "Well, who's gonna milk your mother now then?" And he's like, "He's he's clearly a farmer from back home, and he's all like, he's mm. thinking about, and and then he's it's it it's mad. It's like the contrast of him being like this caring." Like he really cares for this herd, and then the next minute he's having to fucking shoot people. Absolutely um, shooting, yeah, the Zulus and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's there's this one really famous scene where it's come to the end of this bloody brutal like, onslaught, and the Zulus are regrouped and they line the mountains in their thousands and they start singing their mm. war song and it's intimidating and brilliant and um, and it's and Stanley Baker who I'll talk about the actors in a second but Stanley Baker he's the captain and uh, mm. he, he's like a novice captain he hasn't ever had to do this before but after like this, the film's gone on he's kind of galvanised and uh, he rallies the Welsh and he so these Zulus are all adorned on these mountains ready to charge and they're, they're, they're singing and Stanley Baker rallies the Welsh lads who are all amazing singers <laughs> in this choir and he demands that they belt out a rendition and he goes sing sing and uh, the guy I think he's called Owen as well he like, clears his throat and he goes hmm, and he belts out this rendition of Men of Harlech and um, oh yeah it's beautiful man and also I, it's, it's what are the odds that every fucking Welshman stationed there was an absolute beautiful baritone well, as well <laughs> one of the lines in it says you think you can sing better than them and he goes oh they've got a lovely bass line but they haven't got the best and he, he mentions like some some choir terms and uh, and it's a scene then of like a thousand Zulu singing it a few hundred Welshmen you think the Welsh can't do better than that Owen well they've got a very good bass section mine but no top tenors that's for sure Stop your dreaming Can't you see Their spear points gleaming See their warrior Pennant streaming To this battlefield Sing! Men of Alex Stand ye steady Come on, sing! They cannot be ever said
and now this has been adopted into our culture then in football so Ben of Harlech is one of the big one of the songs whilst football fans and Cardiff fans sing um, oh it's a big uh, player it's a big yeah, player yeah and now, it, it's a song it, we're definitely going to cover it on the pod because the, the, the history of it is really interesting but this film helped add to the national identity of Wales this film this Absolutely. song you wouldn't um, um, you wouldn't know nearly as much about no. Men of Harlech the song would you unless no, it was in Zulu exactly it's an old yeah um Anyway, so the Zulus then are singing it, and then the Welsh are singing their Men of Harlech, uh, and then when the Zulus charge, the Welsh keep singing, and it's quite possibly my favourite moment in cinema history. You have these like amazing so Zulu warriors, like like wave upon wave running, and you have just them <laughs> tiny singles they're shooting, and it's fucking oh, it rattles, it riles you, riles the blood. Um, it's such a so, good film. It, it's just I remember you, you saying then you were probably like five, six, seven or something yeah. like that. I think. I was a little bit later in my life when I watched it. I think my 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 granddad put it on for me. Um, he said like, "Oh, I've seen Zulu or whatever," and I was like, "What a stupid thing to ask like a ten year old." I don't know, but uh, <laughs> but he uh, he put it on. He said, you, "You've got sorry, Al. let me open my fucking thing." So he said like, "Oh, have you um you know watched Zulu?" And I was thinking, "Oh, you know, as a ten year old, I was like, what the fuck is Zulu?" Yeah. And then um. He put it on, and my God, I was just like, I was like captivated. As a guy yeah. who'd, um, I watched Braveheart very early. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And like, um, when did that come out? Nineteen ninety-seven, I want to say. Ninety-four, I think. Ninety-four, even better. Um, so like, I saw that when I was. I think I saw that when I must have been ninety-five. I think I saw that when I was like twelve or something. Mm. So this this would have been after actually. So I may be thirteen, something like that. So a bit late actually. But I remember watching it and thinking I was just captivated. It was, it was so yeah. fucking good. And the fact that the all these boys were Welsh and everything like that, you know, it really it, it's very much struck a patriotic chord with me. Yeah, and like you know, for modern eyes, like you realise we are the baddies in it. But I can oh, talk, yeah, talk a bit about the some of the like the tidbits around it. So it was written by uh, C Y, I don't know how to say that, C Enfield, and it's produced by produced by Stanley Baker. So Stanley Baker is this fantastically famous Welsh actor. Uh not fantastically famous, he's fantastic and famous. Um mm. and he he's like the lead in it. But also it's Michael Caine's first major role. And uh, he's brilliant. Is so it Michael, really? Fucking yeah. hell. I yeah, it's his that. first major role. Before, I assumed he few... must have, because he had a big role in it, I'm assuming he must have had a little, uh, a few previous accolades before. So it, he hadn't done much at all beforehand, and he was shit in his interview. He, there's a good interview with him on Radio 4 where he says beforehand he was so nervous for the role. And he was meant to go for the role of Hook that went to James Booth. You, you know, oh, the, yeah. uh, you know, Hooky, come down here, Hook. Hooky. Okay. Like, drunk yeah, guy. Yeah. Michael Caine was meant to be him, uh, and he, he went. He, but because he was so nervous and like Namby Pamby, they gave him that role of the mm. the the sergeant nurse, and the the director said it was the worst interview he'd seen. Um, Christ! But the seven hundred plus Zulu extras were mostly descendants of the warriors who fought in the actual battle. Um, so yeah. Chief Mango Suthu, uh, then chief of the Zulu Nation, played his great grandfather Ketawau. Um, That's amazing. And Stanley Baker, the Welsh lead, he's like a massive activist, a socialist activist off screen. So he tried to make the movie as anti racist as possible and pro Zulu as he could. Um, and thinking for a film that was made in the 60s, it does that surprisingly well. Like it, it doesn't treat that, it doesn't portray them as like yeah, what it, lots of Native definitely... American films. You know, like Westerns in, in America? Yeah, there's that um, portrayal of savages in sort of yeah. It's like. Um, Zulus, I think in that they they they're shown as like the sort of dominant tactical force. You know, like they know what the fuck yeah. they're doing, and like yeah, they're, they're, really clever, they're, they're very clever in it. Yeah. yeah. Um. So when when the director, so that's uh that Enfield guy, he showed the because the Zulus, most of the Zulus had never seen a movie before, so he showed them the westerns, and he was trying to show them this is the parallel uh, that we're the cowboys, we're, so the colonialists are the cowboys, and you're the natives. And he was going to say that that's what we're trying to portray here. Like, we're aware that we're not the goodies here. Um, but this yeah. is what it's going to be like. Uh, and the Zulu extras, like, who hadn't seen the movie before, they had trouble understanding what they were doing in front of the camera. They didn't quite understand how to play mm. and perform it. So Stanley Baker uh, went to Johannesburg and he brought back loads of silent movies from, like, Harold Lloyd, Stan Laurel, Oliver Hardy and Buster Keaton. And the Zulus found yeah. it fucking hilarious. <laughs> They'd never seen yeah. it before. But he, showed it, he said, that's <laughs> what we're doing. Um, and also, mm. South African apartheid laws had like a wine drinking effect on the production. 
But most notoriously, uh, the cast and crew were not allowed to fraternise with the topless tribal dancers because if they were, there's penalty for interracial sex was seven years hard labour, and the Zulu extras could, they they weren't there was rumour that they wouldn't be able to be paid the same amount as their white counterparts. So Enfield and Baker gave all the animals they bought for the movie. So like I mentioned, those cows earlier, which are really expensive, mm. or really really, uh, they they weren't expensive, but they they would be worth a lot of money. Uh, yeah. They gave them to the tribes, so they they got them. Uh, so in in the equivalent sort of thing. Yeah, but what was sad? None of the actors who portrayed the Zulu warriors were allowed to attend the premiere, which that that. Sounds. Oh, that's no that's fucking rubbish. Yeah. No. yeah. But there, yeah, that's my uh, passionate plea for why I absolutely oh, love the film. What a film. It is an absolute mm. film. We're actually planning on doing a full-length episode, aren't we, on, uh, yeah. on Zulu at some yeah. point. And it's basically going to be me, basically, settle in because it's going to be me and Franco just watching Zulu with cans yeah. and then getting on and recording probably so thigh to thigh again. Yeah. And go, fucking love that film. so good for about a fucking hour. So, yeah, just, you know. Look forward to that. Do do your next one? So I've got, uh, I've got two more plus some honourable mentions. Uh, so one of them is actually the uh, one you mentioned. One you mentioned earlier. How green is my valley? Yeah. Right. So for those who don't know, this was a big time film back in 1941. Didn't it uh, won like actually won Oscar. Yeah, it won five Oscars at the yeah. time. Uh, it even beat Citizen Kane for Best Picture. Yeah. Uh, I think it won Best Director as well, and I can't think of the other ones now. But uh, it's based on a 1939 novel by Richard Llewellyn. Stories about a the coal mining industry in Wales during the late Victorian era and how the loss of that sort of way of life uh, affects the family of the main character, Hugh, who's the long- youngest son of the family. I have seen this film, but it was a long, long time ago. Um, I saw it ages ago, as I say, uh, I don't remember it much, but I know it's an old black and white flick and my, my granddad was like, he's so insistent that I watch it. He thought it was the best thing in the world. He was like, uh, he, my granddad was a, uh, just for the viewers, was a Yorkshireman who married my nan, who's a Welsh woman. Uh, she was a woman who didn't speak English until she was 14. So absolute juxtaposed, right? Yeah. But he thought this was like his. Uh, this was like, oh, I finally get it. I get what the Welsh plight is now, kind of <laughs> kind of thing. So he was he was adamant. I watched it. I remember watching it, and <laughs> it was it was. I guess it was okay. I think <laughs> I, I have more. I have more reverence for it because Possibly. my granddad told me to watch it. Yeah, basically. Yeah. But uh, I don't like the uh, how it sort of portrays the Welsh in that it doesn't really. So the problem was, is there was a real des- disconnect with the Welsh side of the story because although it's meant to be set in a, a fictional Welsh town, uh, almost all of the cast are Irish, and they don't bother to change their accent. So a- almost everyone in it just speaks in an Irish accent. There's English people in it, right? Uh, they either do the same in that they don't bother to a- a tune their accent to Welsh or anything like that. Or they attempt like a fucking awful Welsh accent. I mean, at least fair play they tried. I, I can't really fault them for that. But the, one of the main characters in it is played by a Canadian guy. He just does. He just doesn't even bother. He uses native accent. <laughs> he just uses Canadian accent. And I just think removing the accent from the majority of the film kind of like null and voids why you even set it in Wales in the first yeah. place. In my opinion, this this is back way back when. Obviously, it's a fucking nineteen forty one, but like they, they apparently the studio wanted to film it in Technicolor in Wales, uh, but because of the war, uh, they had they built a huge set and made a fictional Welsh town in a set and just did it in I I don't know where the fuck it was, but not Wales basically. <laughs> and what really rose me up the wrong way is because I read this earlier when I was doing the research. The director John Ford, uh, when he was quizzed on, look, what this is meant to be st- set in Wales. Like, why? Why is everyone Irish? Why is you know yeah. no one speaking in a Welsh accent? He said, "It's all Celtic, isn't it?" Uh, Question mark. Yes. And that really fucked me off, <laughs> probably more than it should have, 
probably because I'd had a couple of Stellas at this point, but I was just like, oh, you know what? Fuck you and you. Fucking how green is my valley. <laughs> Even though you win, just because you win five Oscars doesn't mean you fucking good at done a good job you fucking prick so yeah i was i was a bit annoyed about that and I, like there's no point going oh i'm representing wales i'm doing a story about wales if you're not going to include welshness in it yeah. do you know what i mean well, so yeah I, I got i got fucked up for that my next one is uh is, is a thick it's a tv series of uh, a teen drama to uh, like what would you class as uh yeah like a a teenage soap opera. Uh, all of the what's, that, what's that thing they have in um, in books? Is YA? Is it young adult? Young series? adult, yeah. It's a young is? adult series uh, called Pam V. Do, and it's a oh Pam V. Do. <laughs> oh. uh, sorry, I'll shut up. I'll let you just talk about it. <laughs> so I, I just realised I deleted my notes from it, so I can't quite find it. But it was in the like, like late nineties, the very early two thousands. Um, it was the first thing that like. So I didn't grow up in a Welsh-speaking family, um, and I didn't grow up in a very Welsh-speaking area. The only time I ever spoke Welsh was in school, and it was, it, and only then it was in classes. It wasn't like conversational. Um, it wasn't until like decades later, well, like in, like when I was in my mid twenties, when I went to a place, went to work in a place that spoke Welsh every day, and they were mostly like North, lots of North Wales, and I realised I started then speaking Welsh conversationally and in a fun way yeah. and we discussed football or drinks and stuff in the Welsh language and it, it made the Welsh language a lot more accessible but before that I always found it quite draconian but Pam We Do I used to find I fucking loved it and it was like uh, it was set in South Wales it was set in the, it just felt super relatable it was all done in Welsh yeah. and then, but the dad could only speak English so it was like it covered that thing that lots of us would experience um I just loved yeah, it. Yeah, it was very relatable for kids who were in Welsh schools, wasn't it? Who, yeah. Whose parents maybe didn't speak Welsh yeah. as well. And, and uh, but I mean, the guy who directed it, I think, was a monster. And he hung himself before, or the guy who wrote the books, or whoever, someone connected to it. It was a wrong person. Wasn't John John Owen? Is it something like yeah, that? Yeah, I think it is John name? Owen. Yeah, and uh, I think he got look. was he was he nonsense? I mean, we got to confirm this now. I I'm not going to put John Owen nonce in, but I'll just put John Owen. Yeah, it was John Owen. Crime. Uh, our teacher sexually abused us in <laughs> our first hit. Nice. Yeah, so it's annoying. <laughs> but I think he wrote the books. He wrote the books. Uh, it was called Pam V. Do Pam. And uh, Pam V. Do. Oh. So, yeah, it, Pam V. Do means why me, God. And it's, it was just. Yeah. It, and it was. It's, I, I haven't seen it in so long, but it's a. It's a. There was a guy called, like. Pudding, which is like it was just it was just stupid, but really <laughs> fun. It had, pudding. It had Guess Brian what? Hibbard. That's the same in Welsh as it is in English, yeah. right? Yeah. It's the same thing. And it was, I think, it was filmed in uh, the in Welsh school in a school in Come On in Pod. Uh, but yeah, I I just found it a really nice show to watch that makes me feel a little bit more accessible than lots of Welsh language stuff. Yeah, and that, like you said, it it did have that element of someone who. Uh, who had a sort of English-speaking family, yeah. but was in a Welsh school, wasn't it? it, it, it oh, such such a niche, but yeah. <laughs> it, it did it did fill that for a little bit. Yeah. All right, over to you. Okay, so my last one is a lovely little film. It's a very feel-good flick called Pride. You seen this? Oh, uh, I, I that's what I, you know, we mentioned at the start of this pod about crying too much. I've got Pride mm. saved on my uh, on my list, ready to watch, but I just can't bring myself to do it. Oh, it's you know you might have a little couple of teary eyes, but you, you'll be all right. It's it's more like, it makes you happy. It's happy cry if you're gonna okay. cry. You know what I mean? It's nice. It's it's not sad cry. So Pride, um, for those who haven't seen it, it's a great little feel good flick based on a true story. Basically, a group of gay activists decide to help a small Welsh town out that's been fucked over by the government as a result of the miners' strikes in 1984. So they turn up, they try and raise money to help the struggling families and whatnot, uh, and they actually end up founding uh, the Lesbian and Gay Support the Miners movement. So the miners at the start, this is typical fucking story tropes, but the miners at the start are a little bit homophobic, they don't read, you know, they're like, ooh, you know, the small-time Welsh guys, they're like, oh, don't want the help of gay people or whatever. 
and then the group of the 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 gay guys the gay activists they kind of get it both barrels then because they're getting flack from the miners who are a bit standoffish to them and then they're getting flack from the gay community as well because the gay community is saying look these are the type of people that chastise us and are homophobic to us uh, and have been for years historically uh so why are you helping them kind of thing Eventually, of course, it, it culminates in them finding a, a joint cause and they warm to each other and they realise that, you know what, it's all just about coming together and fucking defeating yeah. a scummy little fucking Tory government. And <laughs> what else could you want <laughs> at the end of the day? So the reason I like it is, yeah, as I just said, it's, uh, you know, fucking two sort of marginalised, disenfranchised Ooh. groups um, I remember my mum used to tell me about it when, when she was younger, so she was from her family were down the mines and she mm. talked a lot about that community coming together with like, you know two strange well, fair play, fair play because like you know being gay and all that was, was fucking like illegal at the time yeah. was it illegal in the 80s yeah and then was it? No, no, I think in the 70s I'm not sure but it was definitely ostracised you know incredibly. certainly not yeah um yeah the norm i guess yeah. and um yeah so they uh this uh i can't think of his name i did write it down earlier but um the leader of this sort of um uh gay activist group sort of sympathized with the miners and go uh, what happened was basically the police were pulling all this um sort of force away from gay people in london to wales where the miners strikes were sort of more concentrated so they felt the need to help, which I thought was very nice. And um yeah, then eventually it's it's reciprocated by by the Welsh miners then as well. And um so what I love about this with the Welsh portrayal is like um there's <laughs> the the film has Paddy Constadine, uh who's class, don't be wrong, a class actor, who does an admirable attempt at a Welsh accent. Uh and the non Welsh actors do the same to be fair, but you know when like um in a film where someone who isn't Welsh does a Welsh accent, they kind of do this weird amalgamation, and it's like every region, re- yeah, it's North Wales, and it's like and every region in Wales. It's like kind of just this weird thing. It, it only it's only if you're Welsh you can go. Where are you from? Like, where is that accent from? Do you know what I mean? Now, someone outside of Wales probably wouldn't give a shit and probably wouldn't pick up on it. But same thing as Tom Hardy in bloody uh, Lock, you know, when he's trapped in a fucking car. Like, there's no need to make him Welsh in that, for one. He actually chose to make him Welsh. Do you know that? It was his yeah. decision. I don't know why, because he hasn't done a great accent. Like, I love Tom Hardy. I think he's fucking class, but he's done the classic thing where he's just sort of amalgamated a bunch of regional accents, and uh, I don't know. I guess it's a very small population of the world that would listen to that and go, I don't know where you're from, but anyway. But yeah, this film is very good. The miners' labour groups actually led the Gay Pride March in 1985, which was, you know, after uh, everything had been resolved with the miners. So they could they could have fucked it off. Yeah, that's cool. Um, my one now is going to be my final ones. My bad portrayal. Um, are you mm. on? Have you got one left as well? Uh, no, I think that's me. But I got a couple of honorary mentions because cool, we got we ran over loads of time here, so maybe we. we... Mm. Uh, we'll do a double episode, mate. Yeah, we'll double it, yeah. Um, so my one now is bad portrayal. So at the very start of this pod, I mentioned the bastard executioner. Mm. Now, also, I, I was going to mention, uh, I, when I googled um, Pam V. Do, then I forgot that it, it covered like, really serious topics. So like, um, the main guy in there, he's in like, a love triangle between his posh girlfriend, Klinos, and his streetwise the girl he likes, who's streetwise, called Sharon. That's how it describes them. But it covers like <laughs> suicide, all these like over the top things of teens. Oh, it, wow. not, not that suicide's not over the top, but it just—it's not your memory of it. <laughs> no, everything's. I forgot how much it was serious. It was. Your memory is just. Oh my god, Dad! Why you, can't you help me with my Welsh homework? Uh, also, I remember he wasn't called Cordy; he was called Pasty. <laughs> he goes, "Oh my pasty." pasty. <laughs> anyway. Um, so I'm going to talk about now the bastard executioner, which oh, is I've been waiting for this all night. Um, let me get my notes right. Is it fucking born? So it's fucking born. Now I touched on this earlier, and it's quite possibly the worst bit of telly I've ever watched all the way through. It got canned after season one, but it was so terribly bad that I just couldn't look away. 
And it's not bad in the sense it was cheap or low budget, like um, except the intro that was total fucking horseshoot. But I'll, I'll and I'll link to that in a second. So, so the the intro we have to put a clip into the intro, or if we put a link yeah. in, um, it's sung by Ed Sheeran, and it's really sad and slow and overly dramatic and full of pathos, and it, it's shot in black and white, and it looks at all these medieval prison cells and religious iconography, and at the end, there's this really Monty Python esque uh, executioner's act that just drops and cuts to the show's title. So it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just swing. <laughs> But the story is the main guy. So the the main guy is just like uh, he fought for Edward the First, so Longshanks, uh, who's the guy who conquered mm. the Wales, and um, who's now fighting the Scots. Um, and he's like this amazing <laughs> sounds like, warrior. Sounds like a great guy, in my <laughs> yeah. Well, he's a, he's an amazing warrior um, who's like a mercenary, and then uh, fought on the battle. side of the fucking conquerors. Yeah, love that. Yeah. Guy. Well, then he gets attacked by an Englishman who tries to kill him. So he's like, oh, right. Mm. And he, he has like an aberration of his child telling him to go home. So he moves back to South Wales and he lives his peasant life. Um, and then, like, it's a story, like, halfway through the first episode, it's not a spoiler, but his family get killed by this English, evil English lord. And uh, he, mm. like, takes over the marsh and he, like, they're all under this horrible, like, English rule. So the lead guy, I can't remember his name, I, I don't look it up. Uh, but his plan mm. is to become. He comes up with this plan that he's going to become an executioner in this lord's uh, like army, so he can get as close mm. as he can to kill him and then act as revenge. So he's, okay, he's like, okay. Yeah. What I'll do, I'm going to become the the bastard executioner, bastard executioner, I'm and then that bastard, means yeah. he'll be right here, like the right hand man of this lord. But he just ends up over yeah, like makes ten sense. episodes. Makes sense. Well, over like ten episodes, he just instantly. First of all, he's he's like right. I think because he wears a uh, hood over his head, that's how he doesn't recognise him. I think that's the, the, the context. Mm. But he ends up getting, like, just torturing all of his friends in, like, an odd attempt to convince the Lord he's somebody he can trust. But he could have always trusted him because he doesn't know he's a bad guy he's got a mask on. And then... <laughs> and, and he's also... He doesn't have to prove himself. No. And, uh, cause he's, and also, he's always within stabbing distance of this Lord, but he never does it. And then, like, halfway mm. through, it becomes a bit of a comedy. It's like... <laughs> The Lord starts being a bit jokey, and then when people don't laugh, he's like, "Fuck!" He like he looks at them, then everyone laughs, and we actually find it piss funny. Um, <laughs> but it, it's done by the guy who um, who directed. So it's like a really high budget thing. It's done by the guy who directed Sons of Anarchy. He's in it. Ed Sheeran's in it. Ed Sheeran plays like a villain in it. He's so bad. You know, I mean, that's bad in itself. Like Ed Sheeran being cast in anything, I'm as as an actor. I mean, no, no good. But I remember you boys telling me like before it came out, you were like, "We're gonna watch Bass Executionist, the guy who did Sons of Anarchy." And I'm not really watched Sons of Anarchy, but I know it's been highly regarded, like as very good TV. And I was like, "Oh God, that that sounds good." Oh, it's Welsh based. I was like, "Oh man, this, this sounds like my fucking cup of tea." And then I remember when I said, "Like, oh, how was that past execution?" I think you were like maybe two or three episodes in or something, and you were like, "Mate, it is dog shit. <laughs> it is terrible." <laughs> they, have, they have some Welsh in it, which is cool, I guess. They have like the rebels who call it Vrygs, and it is apparently is meant to mimic. Uh, Roger, like the the rebellion that came in like tw- after twelve eighty two. In like twelve ninety four, whatever you know, the one that followed a mm. couple of years later, the failed rebellion. Yeah. Um, but it's so confused. Like at times, it's like really, it's about the Crusades, and then other times it's about like Wales, and then it's about like modern history, and then it's about like oh, it's, it's all over the shop. But it's it's so also it's like absolutely poor writing. Yeah, it's so poorly written that it's like so on the nose. So the love interest is called Lady Love. And it's just, it's just, it's like it's so fucking shit. But um, it, we, but tell no, me, your, got... tell me your name, Axman. I'm yeah. just a bastard executioner. Yeah. Um. I'm just oh, Dave Justice. It's all, it's all so fucking. Yeah. Um, but then when it when it didn't get renewed, because I watched at one point, I thought this is the worst show I've ever seen. And then the last two episodes, I thought this is the most fun show I've ever seen. And then when it got cancelled, I was like, oh, fuck's sake. Absolutely 180. <laughs> I want it more. And give me more of it. Yeah. So it was a shame. Oh, Jesus. But, uh, and also, that was one of the ones that failed. So, like, the Welsh government put quite a bit of money into these studios, and they did think this was going to be one. Because it had such Bless a good bit Next Game of Thrones, did they think? Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you know Ed Sheeran was also in Game of Thrones? It was this same period. Oh, so I hated it. I hated things. it when he was in that. 
Yeah. Mm. Uh, he sung Stupid. the intro Fucking and he was in it Ryan. and he's like and it had like really big uh, money behind it. But he, sometimes you just can't get over the fact that it's a shitly written, fucking garbage hot piece of shit. No. Something, sometimes you can suspend your disbelief, can't you? But other times you're like, my God, no. But then you do get those ones, like you said, the, like Bastion Execution, apparently, where you think, I've got to watch it out. I've got to see where this goes because it's gone fucking too mental. Yeah. Um, I, so um, that's my end of my one. So I've got a few honorary mentions here. Like I haven't written much about them, but I thought it would spark a bit of conversation. So uh, one of them was, uh, and I hadn't realised this until I really thought about it. Do you know? Uh, do you know the thick of it? Didn't you? You like the yeah, thick of it? Yeah, I love it. Who doesn't like the thick of it? Anyone who hasn't watched the thick of it, go watch it. It's fucking brilliant. Uh, there's only one Welsh accent in that entire series, and do you know what it is? Have you ever had to clean up your own mother's oh. piss? <laughs> <laughs> I hate, oh, I hate that scene so much. Yeah, <laughs> that's so good when he's doing that. She's doing that to him. Have you ever had to? Have you? Have you ever had to clean up your own mother's piss? And he, he's looking at the cameras. He's smiling. He goes, "Why are you fucking smiling?" <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's, so she, good. She's but, in loads of stuff as a character actress uh, or actor. Um, who she's in like uh, Alan Partridge. She goes to and yeah. It, it made more than matters. Where she goes, remember, no one wants a fucking crybaby or like something quite cool. <laughs> <laughs> she has the abs- she has the rolling of the R's down. Yeah. Like she can absolutely smash them. But yeah, so that was one where I thought like in that entire series, as much as I love it. There's one Welsh representative in it, and it's someone yelling, if you ever had to clean up your mother's piss. And she's portrayed as a very annoying individual in that. Another one I had was, uh, and this was uh, uh, someone who prides himself on movie trivia. This is something I didn't know from a film I really like as well. So any fans of Evil Dead listening, right? That remake in 2013, it's very good if you like that sort of thing. There's a bit in the start, right, where, um, like, some priest is speaking, is meant to be speaking Turkish, mm. but she, they're just speaking in Welsh. In, sorry, in what was that? There's a, a film called Evil Dead, right? Yeah. yeah and then... The, 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 like, yeah, Evil but, Dead. But so there's, surely there's, Turkish there's a few is easier to... Yeah, I thought this... I thought just speak Turkish. Yeah. Just either I a get someone to speak that that does speak Turkish. Evil Dead's not a B, British thing, is it? I thought Evil Dead was no, American. no. It's very much American, yeah. And it's like they they say it like you know it's Turkish, and they're like doing some sort of uh, I don't know prayer or something like that. But it's actually just someone speaking Welsh, and it's like surely be, it'd almost be easier to just yeah, phonetically mean. recite Turkish. I don't know if maybe the person was Welsh and they thought, oh, just talk, just talk in something that we don't understand. And yeah, they went, oh yeah, I, I, I happen to, I happen to know Welsh. Yeah. But I thought, yeah, but that was that's something, man. That's a film I actually have watched quite a few times, and I've quite never picked times. up on that. Quite <laughs> a few times, quite actually. A few times. Oh, rad, bro, rad, bro. <laughs> and um, but well, I've never picked up on that. So more for me, I guess. But yeah, like I said, why not just. Just fucking speak Turkish, isn't it? Um, so I reckon that takes us to the end of our Wales on film, which I think was way more meaty than either 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 of us could consider. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah absolute. And it's white, red, and green on the screen. I love that. Yeah. More than just uh, recommendations, I think Wales has come a massive way in terms of uh, where it stands in the in the cinema. What do you call it? In the echelons of cinema making? I think it's... Cinema... The cinema sphere? Yeah. uh, It's no longer just a a postcard town or like a fucking... The characters aren't just quick, easy, cheap laughs. And the... Yeah. It's more than just hills. We're going strength to strength, I think. Like you said, we're actually having a bit of legitimacy, legitimacy, rather, in a... In film, in in TV, it's you know, like I said, the Celtic noir sort of um, 
not resurgence, but emergence, if you like. As a nation, there's more, you know, the Yes Camry movement's bigger than it's ever been. Um, You've got Wrexham become like a a worldwide thing thanks to Robert Calvi and uh, the other dude. Um, yeah, you've you've got like they and, and you know, Gareth Bale with the football team has made us like we're 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 on a world stage and I think that's kind of and the cinema is also another contribution to it mm. and I think there's just there's a, such a stronger sense of Welsh identity than there has been in ages and uh, I, I'm glad that cinema because me and you absolutely love cinema I'm glad that cinema oh, yeah. is 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 keeping up with the pace of it. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I I mean I know me and you wanted to go see the feast in the cinema, but. Again, you know, the sort of restrictions of the budget, I guess. It was only in the cinema for, like, I'm talking, like, a week, two weeks, something like that. It wasn't long. And I, we missed it, but I'm glad I watched it. Like I said, yeah. we're, we're getting we're getting a little bit more ground, and fucking, yeah. there's, it's lovely. And there's, there is also a, a anime series about called the Finland Saga, which is about, like, a, a Viking. And in it, they go to Wales. And I've not seen it yet, but I've just seen people on Twitter talk about it. And... Uh, friend of you know, our mate Dan mentioned it um, they in there it's like I think yes yeah, I think it's made by a Japanese uh, editor or a Japanese team and this is about like two three years ago and they call they have a map of Wales because one of the character comes to Wales before going to England and um, they they have a map and it shows a map of like old Wales and it says the which is what the Brecon Beacons is now called and oh, I Japanese, love that shit yeah, if a Japanese TV show can handle called Nibbana Brachenyog, fucking cunts, the Tories, or the fucking, <laughs> the Daily Mail readers and the Telegraph readers can get on board with it as well. Oh, Christ, don't, mate. I fucking, uh, the other day in work, people were going, because uh, obviously it's, we, like, hand, in work we handle, like, national parks and stuff yeah. like that, and people were, they went, oh, has anyone seen the comments on the Daily Mail and all that, and they sent the link over about calling it Bane Brachenyog. The, the headline was something like, Welsh parks go woke. <laughs> and it was like fucking hell. I do think like, that they, they shouldn't have mentioned the reason they changed it is because of global warming. Because they're changing the, mm. the, the the image because because it's a burning beacon. They said that's not really fitting with that. Yeah. but I think that dilutes the message. It's, and also, it's not changing the name. It's always been called Balibuchin. It's going back to what it was. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But yeah, there's, yeah. there's a show called Vinland Saga which I've just started watching, and it's good so far. And I've never watched anime in my life, but um, they cover. They cover Welsh history there, so that would be another one to watch. And I, I, I know what the Wales is on the up, lads. We're rambling. We it's on the up and up, baby. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, we'll we'll knock it on the idea then, is it? So, cheers yeah. for listening, you know the, you little babies. Know. As per, if you got this far, drop us a five star. Um, oh please, babes! Please, please, yeah. God! <laughs> that sounded really desperate. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, love you guys. See you in a bit. Ta-da, 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 ta-da.